And the time to start, if you're not living your dream, is right now. Start setting goals and setting out where you set in the course of your life and setting it all up so that you get somewhere in the future. When all that comes together, something happens called fulfillment. If you are not experiencing awesomeness in every aspect of your life, it's just from internal blocker barrier disconnect that you've chosen to take on. Life is as easy or as hard as we want to make it. And I got my hands and my eyeballs and my heart around any information I could around holistic healing. And that led me down a never-ending rabbit hole of which I'm still spelunking into the depths of. I needed something like ayahuasca to really wake me up because I was very rigid and very stuck in my ways and very structured and controlling. And my first ayahuasca ceremony cracked my ego in a billion pieces. And uh, that's when I believe when you when we really follow our deepest truth, when we really follow our soul, when we really follow our true calling, the universe rises to support us moment to moment to moment. Welcome to the Holistic Health and Human Potential Podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I'm an international speaker, author of multiple books, an integrative nutritionist, a transformation and embodiment coach, and simply a man who has devoted most of my life to the study, application, and integration of human potential. And it is my biggest inspiration to bring you weekly episodes that will expand your mind, challenge your paradigm, deepen your heart, and help you to embody the greatest version of yourself as I believe you are meant to do something incredible with your life and this podcast exists simply to support you on that journey. Before we dive deep in today's episode, I want to let you know about a special offer I'm making available for the month of April to the first 25 people who enroll into my Holistic Health Mastery Program. This is my online holistic nutrition certification course, which is one of the most comprehensive programs on the internet and has attracted hundreds of like-minded health enthusiasts that have a passion for natural nutrition, alternative healing, upgrading their lifestyle, and helping others live a healthier and happier life. So what I want to offer you for being a loyal listener of this podcast is the opportunity to not only participate in all this program has to offer, but you will also receive lifetime access to this program, our vibrant online community, our monthly video coaching calls led by me, and over 55 bonus videos on top of our core curriculum library. This course is absolutely perfect for virtually everyone who has a deep desire to improve their knowledge of health, natural foods, superfood nutrition, tonic herbalism, detoxification, brain health, and peak performance. Whether you're a busy stay-at-home mother, devoted father, an aspiring or seasoned health coach, or simply someone who wants to experience their life and health at another level, this course has something special to offer. So for the first 25 people who enroll, they will receive almost 60% off the original tuition price. Yes, you heard me right. That is 60% off the original tuition. And as a special bonus, I will personally send you signed copies of both of my books, which have been endorsed by thought leaders such as David Wolf. Michael Beckwith, Dr. Gabriel Cousins, and many others. 
I have never ever made an offer like this before and I'm doing it because I want you to have access to the absolute best information and strategies that exist in the most affordable and accessible way possible. So to find out more details on this program and this offer, please go to www.healthmasterycourse.com. Remember, this is open for the first 25 people, so if you feel the call, I hope you take advantage of this one-of-a-kind offer. Again, the website is www.healthmasterycourse.com. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Holistic Human Optimization Show. As always, I'm your host, Ronnie Landis, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, someone that I'm very honored to spend this time with, and uh, a woman's work who I've followed for almost, I want to say, six or seven years. Um, And Dr. Cass, I actually first came across your work at the women's conference, the very first women's conference that... Um, our mutual friends and colleagues, David Wolf and Len Foley, put together many years ago. And before that, I wasn't familiar with your work, but I saw you speak. And I, I got a copy of one of your books, Natural Highs. And, uh, you know, I just have to say that oh. is foundational. It's fantastic. And really just the, the, the nuances, the distinctions and bringing in the, the information that about how to repair the brain, how to repair neurotransmitter production, how to heal the brain and the nervous system through natural supplements, getting away from pharmaceuticals and psychiatric type of medications and going the natural route. And I love that title, by the way, Natural Highs. And I think I've been, coin- I've been, I've been saying that all over the place whenever I give talks or something is like, you know, people are always trying to get high because they want to feel high but they're not necessarily doing it in a natural way. So I love that idea that you brought out. And that's what got me turned on to your work. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited to be here with you and uh, jumping into the topics that we're going to talk about. Well, thank you so much. My publisher was very resistant to that title. And I said, I'm going to do it anyway. I think it's a good one because it would. It was at a time when it was really not okay to get high. And I still think that, you know, the quote, getting high thing is not really the issue. It's about sustaining a joyous mood, having control over your moods, um, not being swung by every single external event that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- this is such an important distinction, something I want to unpack with you as we go forward. I, what I would love to do with you is maybe just get a little bit about your background and how you got into this field in the first place, because I always I, I send I tend to find that um, healers tend to have gone through a healing process, and that br- brings them into the healing work or any any work that we're here we're called to do in the world. We tend to go through a bit of a process to get there. So I'm just curious what what compelled you and led you into the work that you do in the the psychiatric field and 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 um, you know just the different work that you're that you're doing in the world. Well, thanks for asking. I've always been interested in how the mind works and how the mind and body works. I mean, even um, in high school, college, I just wanted, to, I was curious. And I think the most uh, most interesting topic for being curious is the body and the brain 
how we think, why we think, why we do what we do. So that led me to go to medical school and then to psychiatry. And in my psychiatric training, I actually had a lot of psychodynamic training. So it wasn't just all drugs, although currently psychiatric training is pretty much medication. For therapy, you go to a a therapist. So that's unfortunate because if somebody gets sent to a psychiatrist, you know, if if you're a hammer, everything's a nail. So you go to a psychiatrist, you get put on medication. So in in terms of my own path, what I saw was that patients that were put on medication didn't necessarily do that well. They may do well at the beginning, but after a while, the side effects become worse than the uh, positive effects. And then eventually they will all stop working. And then you have to increase the dose or add another prescription. And then you add the new side effects. And meanwhile, somewhere in there, the individual gets lost. And I, I seriously mean this. I and mean, people complain about chemical brain because they've lost attachment to themselves. They've lost connection to themselves. I mean, I remember one woman was telling me that she had been at her mother's funeral and couldn't cry because she was on Prozac. Now that's crazy because she knew she was sad, but she couldn't get the feelings, the true feelings, because she was sedated in a way with Prozac. She'd been on it already. She wasn't on it particularly because her mother passed away. And so her brain was chemicalized. And once she got off the Prozac with, with my help, and that's possible, she began to have feelings. She began to have higher highs, lower lows, and feel normal and natural. And she was just so excited to have herself back again. This is such a powerful point that you're bringing up. And um, one of the terms that came up in my mind is this, this concept of dehumanizing. And it feels like from what you're saying that the, the pharmaceutical model and the psychiatric medicine model as the only model for prescribing a solution for whatever chemical imbalance or interpersonal issue or anxiety or, or depression or whatever the case may be, um, there seems to be this numbing and tranquilizing effect that dehumanizes the person from actually feeling their feelings. And we do know you know, energetically and based on Taoist Chinese medicine and all the great wisdom teachings and healing teachings that the emotions that get repressed and imprinted into the body and don't get expressed can contribute to devastating health consequences. That's absolutely right. Everything from post-traumatic stress disorder, which goes into the energy field and we carry it and then it is expressed as symptoms. Um, there was a study um, some years ago by Dr. Folletti, which indicated that uh, all the patients that he had evaluated that had obesity, chronic fatigue syndrome, and other chronic issues had had childhood trauma. And it wasn't that everybody had had ch- childhood trauma. Said, well, everyone has childhood trauma, so you know, you're going to get a percentage. It's not that. It was an, actually a, a, the ACEs study. Very, very well done. Very well controlled. And it was clear that that sets you up for, um, for having these illnesses. So even though I'm treating, if, if I'm treating chronic fatigue syndrome or treating depression with supplements, with nutrition, I'm also very aware that you have to have the upstream solution, which is to deal with the post-traumatic stress disorder, with whatever is sitting in your energy field as well. And you know, I like to start, I, I tend to start with the physical because sometimes you have to. 
if someone's on medication, you want to you want to give them some supplements to help them get off the medication. You, um, you want to kind of free up their body and their brain. Then you can begin to address some of the trauma, and then the rest of the work becomes a lot easier. And again, people are reclaiming themselves. Mm, and that's so powerful. I find that so much of the healing process, whatever the, the condition or the circumstance may be, so much of it is actually about um, the underlining hero's journey that comes along from it. And that might just be kind of a soul um, encryption that comes with, comes along with these physical bodies that we get mm-hmm. incarnated with. But like, there's something about the journey right. <laughs> and finding ourselves all over again. And sometimes we lose ourselves. And I'm curious um, what your perspective on that is, because there's this, there's this like overarching existential angst and anxiety and, and depression and, and definitely among people in the spiritual community in particular. And I'm just, I, I noticed these things and these nuances and I, I'm always wondering like, you know, A, like what's that really about? What's kind of going on there? And then B, in the society wow. we live in, we live in a society that doesn't mm-hmm. foster that hero's journey. It doesn't foster the reclaiming of sovereignty and reclaiming of the human being at another level of experience. And so a lot of people are, are yeah. walking around aimless or walking around lost and they're not sure how to reclaim themselves if they even are aware that that's, that's part of the process. If they're even aware. I mean, that, what, you're, what you're talking about really is the numbing of society. Absolutely. You know, the, the people that are already asking the questions, it's like, wow, they're asking the question, how do I get out of this angst? What is it? You know, the Buddha say life is suffering. Well, yes and no. You know, if you have an, an MTFHR issue, you know, you're not methylating properly, you're going to have a lot of angst. And when you get some methylfolate and methyl B12, your angst will get a lot better. Is that existential angst? I don't think so. I think it's, it's a B vitamin issue. Right, so right. You know, it's very concrete. Um, that's, so that's one thing. The other thing is that the masses are being totally tranquilized by the addictive food, alcohol, drugs, the opioid epidemic, which is run by the pharmaceutical industry, and on and on. I mean, we have, we have a mess. We have a mess on our hands because people are not living an authentic life. They're not able to live an authentic life. Um, they're not able, I mean, people can't even diet properly, quote diet, uh, but lose weight and give up the foods they know they ought to give up, you know, like sugar, white flour, um, things that, they're, that are not particularly good for them because they're so addictive and the brain just goes, I want it, I gotta have it. And of course the food industry knows this and creates it. I mean, it's the same as the cigarette industry. The tobacco industry finally got nailed. It hasn't stopped the smoking issue, but it, it's gotten a lot. It's gotten a lot better. Same thing with the food industry. However, I'm heartened by the increase in organic food and the availability of organic food. There's also an issue on the other side that Trump has been trying to delegislate a lot of the legislation we already have in place to protect the consumer from bad food. So he's undoing a lot of big gains that were made in previous um, regimes. So it's, it's a real problem. Wow. Wow. There's, there's so much in that. I actually was not aware of that particular detail. That is a little bit frightening and um, kind of, and kind of pushes me and I mean, I'm sure you and many other people that are, that are doing this work to to work probably even harder and to fight a little bit harder for our rights, for our freedom, 
and for the health and well-being of people of the world. And, and with that said, you create a very, really um, beautiful segue because I want to discuss this, this concept that you coined in your, your new book, this concept of the addicted brain. And what exactly does that oh, mean yeah. for society of overstimulation, information overload, dopaminergic and serotonin stimulating crutches and substances, like you mentioned, a highly contaminated global food supply, and basically trying to defend ourselves against weapons of mass distraction. So that's, a, that's you know. Right. <laughs> so I, I, Thank you. Yeah, this is, this is what it looks like. This is the cover. Um, if you can see it without reflection, it's called The Addicted Brain and How to Break Free. It's on my website, casmd.com. Anyway, I wrote that because people don't understand that addiction is not about white knuckling it. It's not about being morally weak or stupid or if you just had control. You know, it's like it's not that way. What happens is when you have a feeling, when you have an attraction to eat something, smoke something, ingest some sort of a inebriant, your brain is not it has been hijacked. That substance hijacks your brain. You no longer have a prefrontal cortex that can make the decision that says, no, that's not a good idea. It it doesn't exist. It's not, gee, I should, I shouldn't, I don't know. It goes because what happens is you go into a very primitive gotta have it survival mode. And when you gotta have it and you're in survival, what, what happens when we're in survival? We're going to fight or flight, actually. And when you're running from a lion or tiger or the things that we used to run from, uh, you're not thinking, well, should I really run? Uh, is he really going to get me? And, oh, I had this other thing I wanted to do. You don't do that. You just, you run like hell, right? <laughs> if a car is coming at you, you just, you know, you just jump out of the way. You don't think. Mm. This is what happens. The, these, there are triggers. And the, there's triggers in the food supply. There's triggers uh, when addicts see uh, another addict shooting up, for example. Many, many triggers. When that trigger happens, your brain becomes hijacked and you cannot do anything about it. So how to prevent this? This is the point. So of course, in, in addiction treatment, one of the things we do is help to remove triggers. We do this in a behavior modification way, but on a pure physiological, physical way, if someone is always having a dopamine need, it's called reward deficiency syndrome, they need to do something. When they're a little boy is they climb trees and jump off roofs and do terrible things that scare their mothers um, because it gets them a dopamine rush. Uh, these are the little boys that are ADD because they're low in dopamine or they don't have enough dopamine stimulation. Cell phones uh, the, the, and video games, very much a dopaminergic issue. So you, you're not thinking, you're not thinking, well, it's not a good idea to do this. It just feels really good. You know, rats will die pressing a button to get for, stim for that stimulation, for that reward. So what do we do? Here's the, the, here's the question and here's the answer. We actually supply dopamine to the brain. Instead of waiting for you to get triggered by that external that is not good for you, we actually supply raw materials like tyrosine, phenylalanine, and the B vitamins, magnesium, vitamin C. These, this is a recipe to make dopamine. So by supplying, sometimes one is missing, sometimes it's the B vitamins missing, sometimes it's the actual tyrosine missing, uh, whatever it is. So I actually supply it in supplements. For example, um, 
I just, just for, it's so interesting. I created this product called Focus that has in it, it says supports mental clarity, alertness, and positive mood. What it does is it enhances your dopamine. And what does it have in it? It has phenylalanine, tyrosine, and B vitamins, and a few other things that are cofactors to help make the dopamine that you're craving. So if your brain has enough dopamine, it's happy. It's good. So it's not going to be running after every single dopamine stimulation. And it really makes a difference. So even with ADD kids, we give that we give them some focus or the ingredients that are in focus. It doesn't have to be my product. There are other uh, you can buy the separate ones. By the way, I put I made these I made a number of uh, formulas because after I wrote natural highs, people were taking a lot of separate nutrients. And although they appreciated being able to take them and know what to take them, they also complained a little like, oh, it's a lot of stuff to take. So, ah, I know what, I'll make it easy. So I put together these formulas. So when you take something like focus or tyrosine or phenylalanine, you're not going to be so much at at the effect of these external stimulations because you got it handled. You're more like a normal, quote, normal person who doesn't get addicted. They're exposed to all the same stuff. Siblings in the same family, they'll have the same upbringing, the same exposures, the same diet, but they'll be different because their genetics are different. So what we do is we help the genetics along by, and this is the epigenetic relationship. Genetics are what you're born with, but epigenetics is the expression of your genes, and we can change them by what we eat, how we live, how we deal with stress. Uh, the nutrients we take, and so on. So we have a lot of ways of fixing what's um, fixing what's missing, mm. and that's what I do. So it's a, it's a process. So to get someone off an addicted substance, I start to give them what they need before even taking away the the, the substance that they shouldn't be doing, whether it's sugar, um, cocaine, alcohol. And it really makes it a much easier process and more successful. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I love this work and that's why I really value your work because you really look at, look at it multidimensionally and you have a very, very good under, very great understanding of how to deal with the, with the machinery, with the actual physiology and the neuro. Right, right. <laughs> You're right. It's, it's like yeah. it's such an easily convoluted thing, especially with uh, these micro fractured communities and YouTube and, and, you know, people that are more like spiritually inclined. So it's like, it's all spirit. It's all energy. There's no mm-hmm. you know, food and supplements. It's your belief system. And that's, yeah. Yeah. And that's it. But it's like, I, you know, I, I, um, you know, Michael Bernard Beckwith is a personal mentor of mine and I've spoken at Agape in LA probably about four times over the years. And, um, one of the reasons they have me come in sometimes is because I drive the food message and it's connection to what's going on up here, you know? And, it, and I just tell them like, Hey, look, it's, it's hard to be in an attitude of gratitude if your body is breaking down and you're in physical and, and, you know, you know, your brain's not working. Physical pain and your brain's not working. You're feeling like crap. You're not going to be gra- <laughs> going to be grateful. <laughs> it's really challenging at best, right? So I, that's why I love this. And one of the things you mentioned I thought was so, because I never heard this term before, reward deficiency syndrome. That really caught my attention. Like, because I thought about, I thought about, um, I guess from like a, from an archetypical developmental psychology level of looking at like the inner child. Right. And I thought about like, 
whoa, okay, wait a minute. What what is because I, I get like the the texting and the Facebook likes and the the sugar and that kind of reward syndrome. But I'm I'm wondering as a psychologist, a psychiatrist, um, do you have any insights about the interpersonal kind of um, uh, how that plays out from somebody, whether it's like the context of an, you know someone's inner child or or whatever whatever's driving those behaviors. Well, uh, backing up to specifically reward deficiency syndrome was coined by a scientist, Ken Blum, uh, in, I think it was in the 70s. And he, he did a, a study showing that when uh, people who were ADD or addicted, particularly to alcohol, they had a specific genetic variation. And when these people were given the things I was telling you about, like tyrosine, phenylalanine, and B vitamins, it neutralized it. So there's, it's actually something you're born with. But it can also be early stress. Early stress can lead you to shut down some of those receptors. So whether you get it from, from birth, from trauma, from whatever it is, we don't really have to know every single detail about why, but what we know works, at least on the physical level, is to restore what's needed. Then we can go back, and if there was early trauma, start to deal with it. And there's some beautiful methods. There's tapping, there's EMDR, there's sensory experiencing, and and many other, and there's many spiritual ways of doing it. What you do is you interface with the body's energy field, either with a therapist who knows how to do this, spiritual teacher, whatever, and help to, it's like rearranging the energy field and realigning you with who you really can be and getting the, the extra stuff out of the way, the traumas, the bad messages, um, the abusive messages that many children get and reconnect people with their wholeness. So I'm dealing with physical wholeness, spiritual wholeness, emer- emotional wholeness you know so we need it on all levels and how you interface where you start i don't know if it really matters i know where i start but it, it, it doesn't matter and people can have instant healings too so that's a whole other issue right yeah there is there is this x factor right there is this um spontaneous healing phenomena which which it's kind of like it seems like Um, from what I'm hearing, everybody ultimately has their own unique journey and how one person gets in the door may not be the same as the other. But the point of the matter is that you just get in the door, right? You just, you're willing and you take a courage. (laughs) You move forward and you learn about yourself and you learn about what you need. But also on top of that, what I also know to be true because of my work in the nutrition field and, and from what you just said is that it's significantly easier to do that deeper work and that, that, you know, whatever the, the interpersonal developmental work, it's significantly easier. If this thing is firing on all cylinder and you get the, the machine, yeah. your cognition's working and you just mm-hmm. feel balanced as a human being, as a, as a, as a physical being, um, it's significantly easier to, to do any of that other work. Um, but if we are burnt out, if we are emotionally distressed and we have relationship problems, which I definitely, I definitely understand and been through, and we're kind of going through the dark night or the dark years of the soul, as the case may be, um, for some people. And it's very easy to exhaust 
our neurotransmitters and our our our, um, our our neurological bandwidth and capacity, right? And so this is what I wanted to lean into, and and you kind of answered a lot of it too. But I want to I want to kind of rephrase the question in case in case any new things come up. And it's basically around what mm-hmm. I just said, which is if somebody is like if somebody's really their physical brain is really worn out. It's worn out. It's it's got deficiencies. It's it's basically breaking down to mm-hmm. let's call it the circuits things. aren't working. Yeah, the, the yeah. circuits are not firing, and um, their capacity and bandwidth to process life and just the varying circumstances of life. If that's if somebody is in a situation like that. Um, is it pretty much what you already said, or is there additional tools or insights that you that you help people get started with? Great question. But basically, you're talking about a depletion situation. And people may not even recognize that they're depleted. They don't know. They don't have a label for it. But what I always encourage people to do, and I think you do too, is eat, eat well. Eat organically, drink water, have sufficient protein, um, if you're vegan, then you have to make sure your protein source is happening and you're getting enough also B12 and taurine. Uh, so there's some other things to watch out for. But uh, you need essential fatty acids, uh, basically, and, and not to go to extremes. I think the extremes of dieting can uh, has have their own pitfalls. So n- nourish and nurture your body. Uh, exercise. Sleep, sleep's very important because it restores our brain and our body. But a lot happens at night. So don't try to skimp on sleep. So all of these things are going to help to restore that um, burnt out, stressed being. And then you also need extra amino acids very often. So if you're, for example, if you're, you're anxious and depressed, can't sleep, tend to crave carbs, you're probably low in serotonin. And what do you do for low serotonin? Well, out there in the regular pharma world, it's an SSRI, it's a Prozac, Zoloft, Lexapro, Celexa. In my world, it's let's take something that creates your own serotonin. So let's have 5-hydroxytryptophan or tryptophan together with some B6 B12 and some other cofactors. And lo and behold, your brilliant brain makes serotonin. This is so cool. We have miracles going on, like trillions of them all day long. This is our our bodies, our brains, our minds, our gut. Brilliant. Um, I was doing some work recently with a probiotic. Uh, It's a probiotic that we, we know that there's certain bugs, certain bugs in the microbiome that actually will change our mood. And there are companies that put it together. There was one that I gave a talk for recently. And the research shows that people who are taking this after a month notice that their mood is better. It's more even. They're not as reactive. They're happier. Now, how can that be? You you take probiotics in your gut and then your brain's happy? What? This is crazy. But there is an incredible... Um, incredibly intimate connection between what's in our gut and what's our brain, what our brain is doing. So if you have inflamed, if you have an inflamed gut and you have um, insufficient uh, uh, amount of the right probiotics, you're going to have an inflamed brain. If you have a healthy gut, 
with without a leaky gut, when it's, when it's intact, you're eating the right foods. And by the way, gluten tends to cause leaky gut and brain inflammation. But when you have that all under control, then your brain is happy. It's not inflamed. So you have a happy gut. If you have a happy gut, you have a happy brain, pretty much. So that's that's my probiotic, my little probiotic story. Yeah, well, no, I, I appreciate you bringing that up because I was actually going to ask if you did any work in the microbiome realm. And, you know, it's such an incredible mm-hmm. discovery. It's such an incredible body of research that I think has only like really scratched the surface of how dug down deep it really is. What we do know is like 80% mm-hmm. or more of your immune system is produced in the microbiome. 80% or more of serotonin is actually produced in the microbiome, not mm-hmm. in just in the brain, which is not like in the brain, right. such a huge shift from what we thought it was. Um, and, and kind of the pharmaceutical model is basically, you know, in the form of like SSRIs or something, it's basically trying to indicate or it's, it's coming from that logic of like, oh, well, it's just in the brain. It's just the, the neurotransmission and, and of the, the functions in the brain or mm-hmm. the, the, the neurological system. But doesn't have anything to do with the gut, doesn't have anything to do with the food we're eating or the, the toxicity or the glyphosate or the wheat or yada, yada, yada that might be affecting mm-hmm. our ability to digest, assimilate, and absorb nutrients. Wouldn't have anything to do with that. But of course, as we find out, it actually does. And I'm really happy that you brought that up because one of the things you mentioned that I wanted to just piggyback on and, and, and you know, obviously see if there's any any other unique insights that come from it. But one of the things one of my friends um, reflected back to me a couple of years ago, he, he's just one of these like very undercover research kind of hermit type of people. Um, you wouldn't know him unless you came across him in like some like health food store or something. And um, so I'm getting into a conversation with him and he tells me about this new research. I don't know where he's finding this stuff, but he just told me about this new research he found out. He's like, oh yeah, you know why people have tobacco issues? It's not just the oral fixation. It actually changes the bacterial strain. There's a pleomorphic transformation that some of the bacteria in your microbiome actually transform, and then they cause the host, the person, to actually crave the tobacco or to actually crave the sugar. It's, it's So basically, like there's certain opportunistic organisms that... that if if given the opportunity, they will use the person like a remote control. And so it's not always like that we have a sugar craving or a cigarette craving. It's it's something inside of us may actually have a craving. Oh, totally. It, it's funny. When I've explained to people when they have yeast or candida, and you can, there are many other yeasts besides candida, but that, that seems to be a, a common one. So I tell them, I said, you know, you... Your lab test, and I do lab tests. The lab test shows that you have candida, and you know your sugar cravings aren't really your fault. You have these bugs in your gut, these yeasts that are saying, "Feed me sugar, feed me sugar," and you become a slave to them. So, what we need to do is actually starve them out. Because if you stop eating sugar, and that's where you need a little willpower, stop eating sugar. They will be starved out, and they you that you can eliminate the candida. I'll also add in you know certain amount of herbs. There's a candida formula that I like. There's several on the market, and they will help to get rid of the yeast. But and then you also put in some good probiotics to replace what the bad guys. Right. So you always want to help as much as you can to restore. 
the gut microbiome to make it happy. It's four or five pounds of, it's amazing. It can be, there's four or five pounds of microbiome in us, in our gut, in our, in our whole body, on top of our surface, of, in the surface of our body, in our mouth, and everywhere there's this microbiome, and these are our friends. And what's crazy is that we've, and still do, think, oh, we have to have, live in a sterile environment. We have to kill all the bugs. We need to be on antibiotics. We need to use um, stuff on our hands to kill the bugs. And then our children are growing up. And what happens? They get all these allergies because their immune systems have no idea how to recognize friend from foe because they haven't had any practice. They haven't eaten enough dirt. I when I was a kid, my father used to say, you're going to eat a, a, a bushel of dirt by the time, you know, by your, in your lifetime. You might as well start now. He was very cool. He was a doctor, but very practical. And he said, yeah, eat dirt. It's fine. I mean, we didn't eat dirt, but we ate things that fell on the floor and we didn't. I didn't hear the word germ. Mm. It's so funny. I didn't hear the word germ till I was in school. And people were talking about germs. I said, Daddy, what's germs? Like, because we didn't talk about germs. It was like, it didn't matter. And we actually grew up quite healthy and we all had measles and mumps and all the other good childhood diseases that now have been um, told that they're very dangerous and very bad and we need to be vaccinated against them. And, you know, that's a whole other story. I can go. I can go very far afield here. Um, getting back to the microbiome, the cells of the microbiome actually outnumber us, and they are really probably bossing us around. They're telling us what to do. So you really want to have allies there. You don't want to have the bad guys that are going to make you smoke and eat sugar. Yeah. You know, you want to have the good guys who who appreciate fiber and you know the good the good food. And that reminds me, eat a lot of fiber. Yeah. Your microbiome needs it. Yes. I mean, so many, so many great points. One of the things that I was particularly insightful was this idea that it's not a just, it's not just enough to starve out the, the organism, if you will, but you have to repopulate the biological garden, right? That's the microbiome. It's your internal garden. It's like a relationship, right? You got to, mm. you got to take care of it. You yeah. got to water it. You got to, you know, you got to, you got to do, do the consistent things to nurture the yeah. relationship. But you got to have a relationship with your own garden, right? And you got to take care of it. And these organisms, the probiotics, like you mentioned, the prebiotics and the fiber, this is helping to fertilize and enrich the soil within the microbiome. So it becomes capable of of, um, doing what it's designed to do. The immune system is designed to ward off foreign organisms and and, um, invasive invasive, uh, you know, invaders, right? But if the microbiome is down and we're not taking care of it with the probiotics and, um, and replacing out the, if you want to call it the bad guys, then, you know, it's, it's just going to be constant work and maintenance, but it's not really going to get to that, that I guess that sweet spot that we want to get to. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of like pulling the weeds, but then you're not actually fertilizing the soil. And uh, and in, in this case, we fertilize a lot with prebiotics. I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, things like ferment, fiber, fermented foods, very important because so many cultures have fermented foods. We don't. Why not? The only sauerkraut we see is an Aruban, I think. Um, <laughs> you know, we need, we need kimchi, sauerkraut, um, all the different fermented foods. And I happen to really like them. So you should really accompany all meals with a little bit of fermented food. And that's going to help help digest, help support your microbiome. I, I love taking and then you can, and then And you'll be happier. 
I mean, you'll be happier when you have when you have a happy microbiome. As I said earlier, with with the um, it was called Target GBX. Sounds very futuristic. Target GBX is the uh, the mood enhancing probiotic that I was um, actually talking about. Okay. So that's a new addition. Oh, awesome! Is that part of your product line? Um, no, but I'll probably I'm going to put it up on my website. It's not my own. It's done by a, a very respected older lab called Claire Lab. It's K-L-A-I-R-E. It's been around for 30, 40 years. Really good traditional lab, but really keeps up with the science and keeps keeps growing and expanding and doing more um, things like how do you change your mood with a, with a probiotic. So very innovative. That's, that's, that's amazing. One of the things that I, I also want to piggyback on what you were talking about, this conversation about the microbiome is obviously infinite, but you made a very important distinction is that I was focusing on the microbiome as, it, as if it was just in the gut, but it's actually this, this internal kind of, um, and, and external as well, it's all over us. It, it's literally, like you said, it, out, it outcompetes our human cells nine to, nine to one or so, 10 to one. Um, something like that, something yeah. crazy. We're basically just like bacteria and meat suits with bo- in a bone skeletal structure and a nervous system. It's it's pretty outrageous. But one of the but the but the point of that was that you mentioned sterilization and you know this whole the whole like the whole um, pasteurization theory and and all the different things that that's that's kind of created and this this whole culture of antibioticizing things. And when I found it, I find mm-hmm. it so ironic and it's, it's, it's sad, but it's so ironic that the, the one place, a hospital that's the most sterilized is probably the most dangerous place to really spend your time. Because now what we're finding out because of the hyper sterilization is like superbugs, like antibiotic resistant strains of bacteria oh, are getting so sophisticated that they're actually able to manipulate themselves to resist the antibiotics and now they're trying to create stronger antibiotics. It's like the pattern, like it just doesn't end. Yeah. But they know that it's, it's not going to work. And by the way, we're ingesting antibiotics every day in our food supply. If we're not careful, all our food contains, all our meats contain antibiotics unless you're eating organically. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very, very careful. And that, if you're ingesting antibiotics, you're actually killing some of your good bugs. So that's not a very nice thing to be doing. And then there's arsenic in chicken, by the way, and in rice. You know, we, all I'm saying, eat organically because you can avoid a lot of the bad stuff that way. Yeah. No, I, I, I thought I'd throw that in. Oh, absolutely. It's, that's essential. And, you know, in, in, our, in our food supply, you know, not to harp on it, but um, our food supply largely has been used as a deliberate weapon system. And, you know, for, and we can go down that rabbit hole for, for a day or more. Um, uh, yes. Really about solutions, obviously. We're just painting, we're just kind of pointing this stuff out so we can get to what the solutions are. And as far as the sterilization aspect goes, um, we talked about probiotics and prebiotics. Is there anything else that you would recommend for people if they want to kind of get out of artificially sterilizing themselves, but they want to do it in a, in a way that doesn't, uh, isn't a detriment? Well, I had mentioned fermented foods mm-hmm. and fiber. 
I mean, is that the along the lines that you were thinking? Yeah, or even like cosmetics and lifestyle and what we put on our skin and. Uh, oh, like that. Oh, please. I think the um, environmental working group ewg.org is a good place to start because there's so many toxins. When I look at you know in hotel rooms, I, I travel a lot. I go to a lot of conferences. I look at the ingredients on the hand lotions, and some of them will say you know they, that they have like ginger or you know it means it makes it sound like oh it's herbal it's holistic it's healthy oh god no there's like parabens and those nasty things and you're putting that in your skin and your skin it it absorbs everything and you're in trouble lipstick contains lead for heaven's sake lead is highly toxic it's very toxic metal i mean we're totally in trouble so please cosmetics households goods oh my all the household cleaners laundry detergents well i'm particularly sensitive to all this so when i get near the smell of these things i really can feel it so i'm not i'm not too good with chemicals and people most people don't smell them so they're they're just immune to them but they're not really immune their body is really being affected and they don't know it so these are stealth weapons all the chemicals that we are exposed to. When I see the chemicals babies are exposed to, like when you, people have a new baby, they'll put in a new carpet and new bedding, new mattress. And parents who were uneducated don't wash everything first. I mean, people are told to wash things before they their new babies in touch with them, they're in contact with them. But you can't really wash a mattress and carpet. Forget, don't use don't use that carpet because carpet is full of chemicals or use organic kinds of carpet or, you know, I'll, I'll, I can ramble on forever. So you got to stop me. No, well, this is so, this is so essential because this is the stuff that goes unnoticed. The volatile organic compounds coming off our paint and our walls and our carpets and mattresses, et cetera, et cetera. Like this is the stealth weapon like this because. And the foam beds, the foam beds. Oh my God. Oh yeah. And, and just like in the phones, and I mean, this is the stuff that's, it's like telling a fish about water, right? Because it's literally right there. Food, it's like people are like, okay. what water? <laughs> it's like the food thing is like, okay, that, I get that because that's tangible. I can touch it. I eat it. I interface with it every moment of every day. Um, that's obvious, right? But then this is the next level of like awakening and, and coming to consciousness about the toxicity in our environment. And I think basically, I wanted you to. I wanted to drive that in because it's a it, like it's a continual upgrade, right? Like to to reclaim ourselves to take it back to that level that we started with. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because we started off talking about getting yourself off antidepressants and off medications, and now we're talking about getting yourself off all the environmental things, like what's in our food and our water, and so on and so on, and. Uh, if we don't do that, then we're going to have the same depression, anxiety, difficulty sleeping. I mean, all of these chemicals are making a, a negative impact on us. EMFs, people who have difficulty sleeping are sometimes being affected by EMFs. Some people are sleeping with their cell phones. Oh, my God. My mother didn't warn me not to sleep with the cell phones. Just don't sleep with bad, bad people. But <laughs> not really. But... Um, don't you shouldn't take your cell phone to bed or put it if you have to use it as an alarm like when you're traveling maybe you have you put it on your airplane mode so it's not pinging all the time 
and preferably not plugged in because the energy from from the plug is affecting you as well. So all these things, I mean, people think I'm kind of like out there when I talk about all these things. I'm glad you're giving me the opportunity to do it because I don't usually, you know, get to be on my soapbox, but I really appreciate it. So thank you. Uh, something else, I guess I'm going to add something that I haven't mentioned, and that is something I'm using a lot in my practice now is uh, CBD, which is um, cannabidiol. And I'm using that for anxiety, depression, and insomnia, mm. and and also for addiction. I treat a lot of addiction. So using it, it's kind of ironic because CBD is from the cannabis plant, but it's the non-high part, the non-THC part of the plant. THC is just one of the cannabinoids. This is so cannabidiol is is one, and there are a whole lot of other ones that work together synergistically that really feed us that give us, uh, feed our endocannabinoid system, which has been actually starving for quite a while. I was about to, the moment you said that the endocannabinoid system, I was about to ask about your your insight on the endocannabinoid system, because one of the, the deeper I got into that field, um, I found out that your endocannabinoid system, you almost have as many receptors like CBD receptors on the body as you do vitamin D3 receptors. I don't know if that's totally accurate, but that's something that that I kind of, uh, I was told or found out. And I'm just curious now that you mentioned that, because most people have never even heard that word. They've heard CBD or, or pot or cannabis or whatever, but they've not, they don't actually know that this molecule and this plant has right. an intrinsic kind of connection to our biology. It's exactly right. Um, in 19, what was it? In the 1960s, um, Dr. Raphael Nushulam in Israel discovered anandamide. And anandamide is a, uh, or maybe it was 1992. I'm sorry. Now I have to get my, my years straight. In any case, he discovered anandamide. And anandamide is the molecule in THC that makes people feel good. And he figured, well, if we have a receptor, if we have anandamide, we have receptor, uh, we, uh, no, I'm sorry, if we have something external like pot that does this, we should have something endogenous. And that's, that was it. That was in 92 when he discovered that we do have our own internal pot or CBD or it, it's a whole system. Yeah. So he discovered anandamide, he discovered the endocannabinoid system and realized that we need this. We have receptors all over the body, all over the brain. Um, we have in the, immune, in the immune system. It does so many different things. It's an anti-inflammatory, a mood elevator, um, it's anti-anxiety, it helps with sleep. And you think, well, it's a panacea. This is crazy. How can it do all those things? And it's because it is an entire system it's like a modulator. It helps to modulate all these different systems, and it's a communicator. So just like we have our hormones that are communicating all over the body, you know, our thyroid hormone, there are receptors for thyroid hormone all over the body, in our brain, and the liver, and just everywhere. And by the same token, there are receptors all over the body for um, the whole endocannabinoid system. And when we can feed it properly, we get results. We get um, a kind of um, feeling of, first of all, feelings of um, 
feeling good, feeling content, uh, without the high, because THC does have, create a kind of a stone feeling. And there are actually a lot of people who don't like that feeling. I'm one of them. Um, and, and people often who were prescribed THC or THC compounds for situations like cancer did it because it helped with their appetite and so on, but they didn't like the stony effect. Well, now we have all kinds of CBD compounds that don't cause the stone feeling. So if you want a good stone, that's your choice, but we can have really good results and actually in some ways better results with pure CBD or the the cannabinoids that are in in the plant that work synergistically. Yeah. Well, this is, this is a geek out moment right here. I have my own little soapbox and, um, you know, I think this is so, I'm so glad that you brought this up as a concluding kind of, um, uh, recommendation in, in, um, a little bit of a research study because CBD is so CBD is so powerful and it's so interesting to me just thinking of how, like how the bond, there's some kind of like bond with this plant in the human being, in our biology, and, and just like how much we've gravitated towards the plant. We've kind of like mm-hmm. distorted it and disturbed it in many ways. Um, but I thought about the, um, you know, I, I was doing a lot of research a few years ago for a book that I'm still working on called The Hidden Messages in Chocolate. And it's it's a very mm-hmm. deep, deep exploration and, and it goes into a lot of um, a lot of deep, you know, nutritional sciences. And um, one of the things I was, I came across was the connection between the anandamide molecule and the THC molecule. And what I found out is, you know, there's a lot of people that smoke a lot of uh, cannabis. A lot of them will say, well, we have THC receptors in the brain and, and it's, and, you know, it's kind of like a, a validation. And what I found out is kind of ironic is that we don't actually have THC receptors. We have CBD, like you mentioned. We don't have THC. We have anandamide. And if you look at the genetic profile the dna structure of anandamide and thc and you match them next to each other they're one dna strand different everything else is almost identical so i just thought about um the use of thc rich cannabis and you in bringing it back to the whole concept of the reward deficiency syndrome and that's somehow having to do with anandamide mm-hmm. anandamide is essentially the bliss chemical right that's right. And you actually, <laughs> that, yeah, that was good. Because in my readings about the endocannabinoid system and, and CBD, what I'm discovering is that even though we've been talking about the reward deficiency syndrome from Ken Blum based on the dopamine receptor, we're finding out that actually the endocannabinoid receptor is much bigger and has more receptors than the dopamine receptors. And so there's a lot of joy and bliss that we and reward that we get outside of dopamine, which is in the endocannabinoid system. So you actually did just bring it full circle. So thank you. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm happy to do that. That was that's, that's one of those little details that's just in my head that I barely ever get the opportunity. To break. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> no, yeah. this has been really fun because I, I've gotten to talk about all my favorite things. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy that, um, really happy that we went down a number of different tangentials and rabbit holes, and it all seemingly was all lined and all kind of lined up perfectly. And 
I would just like to, um, you know, first of all, thank you so much for your time. I've been, a, I've been following your work for years and it's just, it was a pleasure to meet you through our mutual friend, Daniel Schmachtenberger at the Bulletproof conference. Um, I have your focus product because mm -hmm. you gave me a bottle and I love it. That, by the way, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, and I and I just wanted to say um, I'd love for everybody that's that's listening to know where your website is, where they can find more information, they can purchase your books, in particular your most recent book. Totally, cassmd.com, c-a-s-s-m-d.com, and um, there's a free ebook you can get. So if you want to learn more about your brain, it's called Reclaim Your Brain, and it's a lot of what we We've been talking about the neurotransmitters and how you can enhance your neurotransmitter production, make them work more smoothly. So that's also on my website homepage. You just sign up for my newsletter and you get the free book. Mm -hmm. And the, oh, and that, they're signing up for the newsletters free too. So all free. Awesome. Thank you so much, um, Dr. Cass. This has been an absolute pleasure. This has been extremely fun for me. And uh, I just really appreciate your time. Likewise. Likewise. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this fascinating episode of the Holistic Health and Human Potential show. Before you head off, I want to invite you to go to my website for further podcast episodes and tons of free content on holistic health, natural nutrition, and human potential. Please go to www.ronnylandis.net to find out how to take your health and your life to the next level. And also, I want to encourage you to leave a five-star review for this podcast on our iTunes page, which will help me in my mission to get these inspiring messages to millions of people throughout the world. I thank you so much for your support, and I look forward to continuing to provide amazing conversations and content on holistic health and human potential.